Token Theater friends. I'm Jose, and today I'm joined by the amazing Irene Espinosa. Thank you so much for, for joining us. Of course, thanks for having me. So you're doing a residency at the Green Room 42nd called Unplugged and Unplanned. Correct. I saw you on opening night, and nothing really seemed unplanned. Like, you were incredible. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. That's good. You? Um, yeah. Yeah, you spoke about how you were putting together, you know, every night was going to be a different set list. Correct. And I just want you to talk me through that process. Was, was it like, I, I had a vision of you as like, kind of Claire Danes and Homeland with like a billion like post-its and like, <laughs> what do I sing tonight? That's awesome visual, I like that. Um, I wish it was that organized. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I just, um, I knew that I didn't want to do the same set list every week because I wanted to use this opportunity as an exercise for myself to, um, to not be precious about anything. I tend to, I tend to, um, you know, want to make things as perfect as they can be and, and to my, to my detriment. Um, and so I wanted to force myself out of that mindset and just keep myself on my toes um, and so, yeah, most of the songs are songs that I've never performed before. Um, and I just make a playlist every week. I, I had a, I had a big playlist and then I started like, you know, whittling it down. And now I send my guitar player a playlist, um, of what I want to do. We meet the day before for an hour just to like make sure we're on the same page and then the show's the next day. Um, and it's been really, really fun. It's worked out really well. Um, it's no huge disasters has, <laughs> has happened yet, um, but we still have three more, so you never know. <laughs> Something that, I, that I've noticed practically every time that I've seen a show in the green room for a second, there must be some sort of like magic thing in that room, because mm. every time I've been there, the performers on stage get very personal mm. and talk about their, you know, like their struggles. And yeah. I don't see that in any other cabaret or nightlife venue. I'm sorry to all the other venues. Uh. Uh, but uh, I wonder, you know, is it hard to be so vulnerable on stage? Um, for me, it's not. I, I, um, uh, when I first started doing concerts years and years ago, I, I, I followed a. A blueprint more. Um, I wouldn't say it was a script, but I would plan out what I wanted to say and when. I wouldn't write it down, but I'd think about it. Um, and there was one one show where I, I went through this whole thought process on stage that I realized that I had forgotten to wear deodorant. <laughs> and I like went on this whole tangent in front of the audience and um, that same show, like I, I messed up you know, and I stopped the band and I was like, wait, 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 we have to start again. And I, and the audience just like really, I got a big response from them and, and they told me after, I always like stay after and talk to, to the audience in the show and meet people if they, if they want to. And people were just like, I love that moment. And oh, and you talked about, oh, I hate when that happens when I go to work and I forget that I did, did not put on deodorant or, you know, um, and so I just realized that, um, it gives you a special connection with the audience. I think they feel like they were a part of something that just happened at that one moment. So um, I, I more and more became comfortable with, um, with sharing things, and especially at, at the residency um, because it's once a week. So you can kind of talk about, you know, 
what's going on with you that week or one week. The second week, I've been rehearsing all week for the Joseph, the New Mating Technical Dreamcoat concert. I finished rehearsal at 6.30 and my show was at 7, so I was very frazzled and I admitted to the audience, like, I'm not quite in this room yet and I need to take a breath. Can we all take a collective mm -hmm. breath together? And we did. And, you know, it's just like... I, I want them to feel like they're they're as much a part of my evening as I am theirs because they are. It's an energy exchange. You know what I mean? Um, so so it's very easy for me, and it's I don't know any other way now. I can't imagine doing a concert with a scripted unless it was very specific. Um, you know, a concert of like Edith Piaf music, and you know what I mean, or something like that, or. I don't know, but um, it's it's easy for me. I enjoy it so much more. I feel like in a parallel universe, you're some sort of like philosopher, and people are like practicing like the Eden Espinosa lifestyle. Oh my god, I love that. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I don't know. You said something the night that I saw you that it just like you know like it's like got stuck in my brain, and I mm. think about it every day. And I'm gonna paraphrase you. So sure. I'm sorry, That's but okay. you were talking about performance, and you said that whenever you had fears and you were feeling nervous or you were feeling like you couldn't do that on stage that night, that you thought of putting yourself at the service of the audience. Yes. And I thought that was so beautiful. Yeah. Because it sums up like so many spiritual and philosophical uh, beliefs sure. in just just like giving to people. Yeah. And I wanted to talk about that, and if that in any way was how you started when you were like, I want to be a, an artist, I want to mm. be on stage. Yeah. Not so much. I mean, when I was younger, I think all I wanted was attention. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when I was a kid, I was like super hammy, and I would just like make my parents and their friends like sit down and listen to me and my brother sing somewhere out there from American Tale, and I'd like drag him along and be like, no, you're going to sing this with me, and... You know, but I think um, it it is a, a it is a thought that I love, um, and I started doing it in auditions. Actually, mm -hmm. I started really like changing my mindset at auditions of why don't I instead of showing them what I can do, uh, why don't I try to like show them who I am. Um, and maybe even if I'm not right for the part and I don't get the part, maybe I can share with them my gift and, and they feel like, wow, that was a breath of fresh air. Um, and that was a, an exercise to like get me out of what was actually happening, which was me auditioning for a job. Um, but it's helped me even in situations that I don't particularly enjoy, say like a networking situation when you're, you know, you're at an event or you're at a party and you have to talk to people and talk about what are you doing now and um, what projects are you working on and I don't particularly love that but um, it, it's, when I think of it as just sharing my heart and sharing a piece of me then it's easy and it's mm -hmm. not a problem and I don't think of like oh they're just asking me because whatever reason I don't know I just I don't, I don't like the, the thought process as I go down on certain situations and so regarding this business and so it just helps me stay in a positive light and it helps me just worry about my give instead of what I can get. There's something that you do so well and it's that you turn every song into your song. And Thank you. Not the Elton John song, but you know what yes. I mean. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> good, um, yeah. good clarification. That would be like um, a special skill though, right? To do that. <laughs> 
And the night when I saw you, you said that in the future you were going to do, you started mentioning all these artists and you mentioned Taylor Swift. Yeah. And I was like, have you done Taylor Swift yet? I did. I missed it. What do you do? I did a, a song called Clean. Yeah. The Imogen Heap song. Yes. Oh my god, I missed that. Yeah. I'm so sorry. It's okay. If someone recorded it, please send it my way. <laughs> okay, yeah. I love Taylor Swift. I'm a huge Swifty. Um, um, so I, uh, there's so many songs of hers that I want to do, but that one, I've never done a cover of hers before, and that was the first one I was like, I just love that song so much. It's hard to choose because I, I think she's such a brilliant songwriter. Um, so I'm sure I'll do more. But so are you. You're a great songwriter. Thank and, you. And I wanted to talk about, about that. How I love how you know you did, I think you did just like a couple of your songs, yeah. No Pink Night. Yeah. But it, they fit so well with everything else. Good, and good. as a songwriter, does that take you to an even more like maybe like intimidating place, like seeing like I'm gonna put the song that I wrote next to something that song I wrote and something. That oh, <laughs> yeah. I didn't think about that. Um, I think that I I just do a couple. I've done only done you know maybe like three a set since since we've started of my own because some people you know don't don't know that I have an album of originals and that's totally fine and so I. Um, Originally with this residency, I was going to do themed nights. Like one night was going to be all Revel songs from my album Revelation. One was going to be all like musical theater. Someone's going to be all jazz standards. And I was like, nah, I don't want to do that. So I mixed it all up. But I, um, yeah, I don't feel intimidated putting it um, with somebody else because I, I did it. I felt that in the in the writing process for a bit, um, and then I just had to come to the. I had to come to terms with I'm just starting out and I can't compare myself to people who have been doing this for years and years um, and I have to think of it as like this album, these songs, it's like, it's like a little time capsule of where I was in, in, at this moment and, and I, it'll only get better from there. Mm. So I'm very proud of that album and I'm very proud of those songs. Um, so. Um, and that's big for me to not sit there and, and beat them up and beat myself up. But because I think I did realize like you have to start somewhere and and I'm proud of, of my starting point, you know, of my on your mark get set go moment. <laughs> so I, mean, I think they're great. They belong with Swift that's on I Thank I you. Wow, that's very kind. I always <laughs> get so excited when I get to have a fellow Latino on, yeah. on the show. And yeah. I you know, in this industry people get tend to be typecast. Mm -hmm. And if someone says like, you know, like you're, you're like Latino, you're black, you're Asian, like there's only a certain kind of character that they want you to play. Right. However, it's like you were like, I don't I don't you know, like I don't care about that. Like and you have played so many different types of characters yeah. that haven't you know, like you haven't been like stuck in a box. Right. How right. have you accomplished that? Because that's like mind blowing. Yeah, I I um the weird thing is, is like I feel, you know, just like any other race, we there seems there's always stereotypes, um, and there's always, well, you don't look Latina, and I'm like, what does that mean? I don't understand what that means. Um, and I've had some very interesting conversations with friends and colleagues of mine uh, who are African American who who didn't know I was Latina. And have said things to me like, you know, for example, today when I wear, if I walk in rehearsal with red lipstick, ooh, you look really Latina today. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know what that means. Well, I'm just saying like, you know, you look, and I said, I, I, I just, 
I wanted I I need you to explain what that means because we we come in all different shades and colors too. You know what I mean? So it's like you know there are um, there are I think people just automatically think you look a certain way, um, or oh, wow I didn't put two and two together that you're Latina. I'm like my last name is Minosa. I don't understand what you mean. Well, you're just so like you're just so fair, and you don't really like to seem. Latina, I I just don't know what that means. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's weird because because I am, uh, you know, on the fair side, I'm either not ethnic enough or too ethnic. Mm. First, never in theater, um, oddly enough, oh, always for TV and film. But I think that when I was first here in New York and first coming up, like, um, you know. The, the diversity resurgence like hadn't happened yet like in the heights hadn't happened yet and you know how basically Lynn Manuel hadn't happened yet <laughs> like honestly um, and and so it, it hasn't ever gotten in my way um, and I think in today's day and age it's only going to help which is great and I hope it continues to do that for for every ethnicity um, so yeah I am I am a proud. Mexican American. Thank you very much. Uh, <laughs> yeah, um, and you know, it's it has every. And then what's crazy is like every, every, you know, Cubans, Puerto Ricans, Mexicans, like every branch of the, you know, everyone under the umbrella has their own story. What it means to come from, or their families coming from, and you know, being Mexican American in this country and in California especially is its own own thing. You know what I mean? So I mean I can talk about it forever. I'm like starting to write a script about it, so I'm I'm excited to tell some stories, but yes. Ooh, I love it. Yeah, I feel that sometimes people assume that if we're Latino, we should show up like wrapping a tortilla. Right. right. Or like, I don't know. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> I, I love, I'm from a journalist, but I love Mexico so much, and I want you to brag about Mexican food from California for a little bit. Well, it's untouchable, <laughs> first of all. Um, you know, there are a lot of, of Mexicans on the West Coast because we're so close to Mexico, so the food is insane. So good. Um, and uh, it was funny because when I first moved here, my we had ideas of having my grandmother like open a little like taqueria over here because the Mexican food in New York is not great and people are always like how come there's not good Mexican food here I'm like there's not a lot of Mexicans here there's more like Puerto Ricans and Dominicans and you know because Mexico's way over there <laughs> it's got better though in New York but in California it's I mean you can toss a piece of paper and find a really good Mexican food. Place. Oh, that's like, Yeah, I mean, oh. insane. My favorite. Have you found, like, any secret? Well, I mean, they wouldn't be secret if you told me, right? But have any, like, hidden spots in New York that you love? Because I'm always on the search for a great taco. What's the new place that's, like, there's one in near Chelsea Market, but it's on 43rd? Those tacos. How about the Harry Potter place? Across the street from there. Oh, they're, and, they're good. Yeah, they're good. Oh, okay. Because guys like they're in front of Harry Potter on Trusted Guy. No, and I I originally had them at the, at the one near, what is it Los Tacos? Okay, so yeah, they're good. And that line is always out the door at the one across from Harry Potter. They're good. 
They're, okay. they're the best like street tacos that I've had in, in New York. And you're going to be going back home to California for a little bit because you're doing Lempica. Yes. Which, uh, you sang a song from Lempica at, at your show and it was so breathtaking. Thank you. And can you tell us a little bit about uh, what the story behind the musical is? Because I feel like not many people are familiar with Lempica's work. That's true. And as you pointed out, you know, that she's just as brilliant as Picasso and all those other yes. male Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, the musical is called Lampica. It's about Tamara de Lampica. Um, she was an Art Deco artist um, and one of the first women who really made a name for herself um, at that time. But her life is just an incredible. It's an incredible story of of survival and how she started painting to survive um, and saving her husband from you know, from they escaped the Bolshevik Revolution and then, you know, uh, moving into escaping again from, from the Nazis. Um, it's a very dense story. There's a lot to cover. Um, but it's very relevant um, in, in many, many ways um, today. She's all, she was also notorious for behaving, for just behaving however she wanted to. Um, and she was known for, you know, having female lovers as well as she had her husband as well. So that's definitely an aspect in the, in the show. Um, and uh, Rachel Chapkin is directing, which is, we are so lucky. Um, and uh, it's a female playwright and lyricist, uh, but the composer, the team, the creative team in general is just extraordinary. And I'm super excited. We've been working on it for a few years now and we were at Williamstown a couple years ago and people are excited. The music is extraordinary, the story is extraordinary, this woman was extraordinary and so I'm, I'm honored to, to bring her to life a little bit more. You know how I found out about Lepika for the first time? I had never heard about her, but Madonna's a huge fan of her. Uh, yes, yeah. yes. She's one of, like, she's one of uh, the biggest collectors of her work. I know we're, we all, I mean, we want Madonna to come see the show, obviously, at some point. We come back to New York, especially. But, yeah, and her, uh, was it Express Yourself video? Was, like, the, the aesthetic of that video was very much um, after Lepika's style, aesthetic style, so yeah, very cool. Jack Nicholson's another huge uh, collector of her work as well, so yeah. Can you imagine if Jack Amazon came to I mean, it would be amazing. <laughs> it would be amazing. When people think about your work, they often think about Alphaba and the people who saw your falsettos obviously think about Trina, and yeah. obviously people think about Maureen, and then Pika's going to be your chance to create a part, an original mm -hmm. part, that then in the future they're going to be like, this is Eden Espinosa's creation. Yeah. What's that process like? Has it been, you know, exciting? Is it different than playing a part that people uh, know what they're actors for having uh, created? Yeah, it's very different. Um, I did it, you know, opportunities like this don't come around often. You know, you'll you'll have a lot of opportunities to do readings and stuff, but to, to see it through even this far is rare. Um, and I originated one other role called Brooklyn um, years, 15 years ago. Um, and it's, 
Yeah, it's different in the sense that like it's tailor made for you, um, and you you have input, and you have you know things are written around your voice, and things are um, you know once a writer gets to know you, even even in scenes and stuff, they they start like just bringing your essence and things that you've brought to the character into into the fabric of the piece, which is. I mean, that's an honor. Um, and to, to see something from its inception all the way through, hopefully, a Broadway run is a gift. Um, and then if it's successful and it continues and you're re eventually replaced, you know, there's only going to be one original, which is, um, which is great. It's also, you know, you get to put your own stamp on things when you take over for somebody, but it's just not the same. You know, it's just, it's like putting on a, a suit that was made for somebody else. Mm -hmm. Like, it can still fit you, and they can tailor it to fit you, but you'll still, like, see the creases, or you'll still see the, like, thread marks on there. Um, but if it's, like, handmade to you, it fits every curve of your body, you know what I mean? So I feel like I, I use that analogy a lot when it comes to originating a role, and, um, yeah, I hope that... I hope that we get to come and bring it back here because I love I love the piece very very much and I I just want I want audiences to know this woman more. Mm. I wonder if there's you know this is this sounds like a very strange question and I'm thinking it's coming out of my mouth but in, have you found any parallels or any things that you've been able to borrow from her paintings that you have incorporated into the way that you perform like maybe. Uh, borrow the texture or the uh, yeah yeah the warmth it, of her work. It's crazy because her use of color is just so stunning. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, a couple years ago, maybe a year 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 and a half, there was a um, Christie's was having an auction, <clears throat> and I found out about it through a friend of mine. And I didn't know that you could just go to Christie's and like look around um, and so I went and just to see see them up close and to see the brush strokes even though one of her things she always said was never let them see your brush strokes but to see you know um, I've read several books on hers and you know knowing as a painter like you let each layer dry before you come back so like seeing the different layers and, and it, it's just weird to go to look at them and go she made this like she touched it she made, you know what I mean? But I think her, everything that Tamara did was deliberate. Whether it was out of necessity, uh, or, or, you know, I had to do this in order to survive, or I chose to do this because I wanted to. Even in her use of color, everything is very deliberate. And she didn't, she wanted to stand out. She wanted a style that when people saw it, they would go, that's, that's Olympica. Um, she has a phrase that like I don't live within the margins of society um, and so those type of things I keep with me every time we have a new draft because I have to um, you know I want her to be proud and her family's and you know her we've met her granddaughter and great-granddaughter um, They've come to the show. They've come to readings, and it's you know I want them to to see her up there, um, 
and they've been very complimentary of me and my interpretation, which I'm so grateful for. But I, I talk to her all the time. You know, it sounds weird, but I want her to be, I want her to be there um, because it's important because not, because not a lot of people are aware and know her, and I want them to, and I think she always wanted that mm -hmm. too. Um, so, uh, so yeah. I think that all of us who love theater are like slightly masochistic because we know that it's like such an ephemeral yeah. form, right? And yeah. if we're not there and we missed it, that's it. Yeah. But painting, obviously, you can go to museums and see Tamara Lepiga's work and yeah. all the other great artists. If you could freeze a performance uh, that you saw on stage oh. and have it like hanging as a painting for people to go experience it time and time again, what would it be? Oh, that's a good one. Okay, so. What was the, there was a few years, it was more than a few years ago, Patty and Mandy did the, their Broadway show, the two of them, just, what was it, the evening with Patty and Mandy? I don't remember what the thing was, but it was on Broadway, it was Patty LuPone and Mandy Patinkin, and it was just them doing the concert, basically. It was a masterclass. <laughs> I would freeze that, I would also freeze uh, Alice Ripley and Next to Normal, it was mm. just like, I still think about it. It just was unreal. Those are the two that I have seen live in person that I would freeze. There's others from past that, like, you know, that I haven't seen that I'd be like, ooh, I wish somebody froze out so I could see it in real life. But those are those two that I would pick. And just to finish, I have, like, tons of kids who would murder me if they knew that I spoke to Cassandra. Oh! And I didn't ask her anything about Oh, that's so scene. amazing. And, you know, Tangled is so beautiful, and, but I love the fact that you, you started working at Disneyland, yeah. so now getting to voice an actual Disney character is like coming entirely full circle, right? Mm -hmm. What's the, I guess, what's the most fun about doing Tangled? I mean, to be able to create that character was, was the gift. I mean, I, it, I, I worked at the park for years, and, and throughout my career, I've, able, I've been able to do bucket list moments for Disney. You know, I recorded the soundtrack for the fireworks show one year that ran for five years there. And so that was a huge thing of mine because just working in the park, you wanted to be that voice of the sky, you know? Um, working at the park period was a dream of mine growing up in Anaheim, you know? Um, so to originate a Disney character for an animated series and have you know, all the original voices there from the movie and Alan Menken and Glenn Slater writing new music for you. It was just, you know, it was crazy. It was crazy. Um, it was five years of my life and I just, I will, I will forever be grateful because it was just a huge gift and uh, it's badass, you know? <laughs> I mean, can I say that? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's just super cool. Uh, voiceover work, I've fallen in love with that, with the art form and with the medium, and it's very different from anything else. Um, and it is definitely an art form and something that you have to get used to. Um, it can be very, very tedious, but it's just fun. The challenge is fun, creating, capturing <clears throat> moments without having to rely on on your face um, and so that that is a challenge at times but I'm so proud of the entire series we just aired our last episode yesterday um, so uh, we'll forever live on Disney Plus <laughs> uh, which I'm happy but uh, yeah I'm, I'm uh, 
I'm so grateful for the opportunity. And I love Cassandra. I think she's amazing. And I had the best time bringing her life. And you get to have like an action figure? I mean, yes. I have a Lego. I have an action figure. I have a Tsum Tsum. I have plush I mean, it's it's unreal. It's unreal. <laughs> I love it. Would you like to invite our viewers to come see you at the Green Room 42nd yes. uh, during March? And then for our viewers in California or people who want to fly, who should fly, California for Olympica, can you also? Yes, yes. So come on down to Green the Green Room 42, March. Well, we have one this March 6th, March 15th, March 22nd, or La Jolla Playhouse for Olympica, uh, mid May to the end of June. Come on down. Eden, just gracias. It's been a true pleasure having you. And remember, theater is more fun when you bring an amiga. Yes! Bye. <laughs>